Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Praise the Lord. Isn't God good? Look at your neighbor. Say, isn't God good? Hallelujah. I am so excited to be here tonight teaching my Bible study, Taking Off the Robes. And if you don't have a copy, please get a copy. We have them at a special rate of half price, which is just a tiny bit over cost that I pay because I believe in Global River. And if you cannot afford it, just ask for one and you'll get it because that's how we operate. And there's a prayer book that goes with it called Courageous Prayers for Women, and you actually have the prayers that I've written out for you with the Word of God, and that's only $5 tonight. So I'm trying my best to get it in your hand. I can only cover so much from up here, and to truly get free from these robes that I'm going to be teaching you, you have to do your work. Amen. How many people learned a second language in this room? How hard was it? Very. Did you have to do a lot of homework in memorizing words? Yes, says the beautiful woman on the front row. That is how the Word of God is. We want things quick, don't we? We want deliverance, walking in total power immediately. But we have to learn the Word of God. We have to become Word people. The Word of God is the most powerful thing in the universe. Hebrews 11.3 distinctly says, but by the Word of God, that these worlds are held together. So when you speak Word out of your mouth, and you learn Word over your life, and you speak Word over your family, over your children, then they have to change. There is nothing that can stand against the Word of God and not be changed. And many times we're speaking that of ourselves, where we have to speak the Word of God over ourselves. It is definitely an honor to be here tonight. I thought about Romans 13, 7, that the Bible says, give honor where honor is due. And I honor your senior pastor, Pastor Tom Hauser. I honor your first lady, Jenny Hauser. You are under the real deal. Can I get a witness? You can only go as high as who is over you. Thank you. So I rejoice to honor Pastor Hauser and Pastor Willie and is it Nilsa? Nilsa. I will get that, Nilsa. And Pastor Terry, I honor y'all. You have three amazing men of God over your lives that love you. I mean, Pastor Terry just radiates love as well. He just tickles me. You look at him, you see Jesus. And Pastor Tom, of course, draws leaders such as that. But when I was studying, I heard, and how many people have Bibles? Hold them up. Praise God, we're at a Bible study. 1 Corinthians, and you don't have to turn here yet, but 1 Corinthians 16, 18, I heard so strongly over Pastor Terry, Pastor Willie, and Pastor Tom Hauser. 
It says, for these amazing, and I'll, I'll put things in the scripture that's very applicable, and this is what I heard. These amazing pastors at Global River have refreshed my spirit many times and your spirit many times. Therefore, we must acknowledge them and honor them. You have to do that. You have to acknowledge your leadership and you will be blessed. Look at your neighbor say, I love my pastors. <laughs> That's a good feeling. First lady said, I love my pastor. <laughs> I know she does. Y'all are a power couple for Jesus. Taking off the robes. I remember early in my walk with the Lord when the Holy Spirit told me to take off the robe of being a victim, take off the robe of being, just feeling like I never could measure up to anything. He literally took me to Mark the 10th chapter, verses 46 through 50. And there I was, feeling like blind Bartimaeus, when blind Bartimaeus was sitting by that roadside, and when he got Jesus' attention, the Bible says in the 50th verse there, it distinctly says that he took off his robe. He took off his garment. And his garment distinguished him as a blind man. And many times, even Christians, we wear robes that had been placed on us. And when blind Bartimaeus knew he had the Messiah's attention, he threw the robe off because he knew because he was with the Messiah that he had recognized him that he was no longer going to be a blind person anymore. And we can do that. We, as the people of God, can throw off any robe the enemy has placed on our lives. And sometimes we're so comfortable with those robes. The enemy starts placing them on us as children. He starts placing them on us through things we have lived through, through trauma in our lives. He puts these robes upon us, and we can be born-again believers battling invisible robes that's affecting even how we pray to God. What are some of those robes? The victim robe. Being a victim of our past. The divorcee robe. That we're just divorced or we don't measure up to somebody because we've had a divorce in our past. That is such a lie from the enemy. But yet so many people feel that. The robe of I can never measure up. The robe of I'm invisible. The robe of I am an addict. The attic robe, the alcoholic robe. There's so many robes that the enemy drapes upon us, and we just keep them on. We keep walking with them, not realizing as Christians, when we have the attention of the great I am, we can throw those robes off of us and we can be what Jesus Christ tells us in his word that we are. Look at your neighbor say, I'm royalty. You're just speaking the truth. That's who you are. 
You're of a royal lineage. Your daddy's a king. Your daddy owns it all. But if we're letting robes distinguish us in ways we may not even recognize, we may not even have the boldness to ask our daddy for something. So tonight, I am going to be dealing with two robes. The Holy Spirit, when he had me write this Bible study, that took me two years to write because I had small children at home, and I would have to either stay up late or get up early. And he distinguished for me, there are six robes that the majority of mankind has experienced. The robe of fear. Let me make my point. Who's ever been really afraid in here? And that affected you a long time before the Lord delivered you. The robe of unforgiveness. How many people in here have had people they've really had to work hard to forgive? The robe of religion and tradition. Just doing it because great-grandma did it or just doing it because that's the way you've always done it in your family. And it doesn't even add up with the Word of God. The robe of negative words and complaining. My husband gets so tickled at me sometimes. He'll come in. I'm like, how are you doing, honey? And he says, my back's killing me. I said, what do you want sung at your funeral? He said, what are you talking about? I said, you said it's killing you. If something's killing you, there's going to be a death. And what do you want me to do at your funeral? He said, you in words, I'm sorry. My back's hurting, but I'm believing to be healed. I said, there you go. That's how we talk in this house. That's how we talk. Taking off the robes of judgment and criticism. Who's ever had to throw that one off? Thinking we have a right to judge somebody. No. It's not our job to judge the world. Jesus came and said, I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save the world. So leave the world alone. Amen. T love them into Jesus. Don't criticize and judge them. That won't win anybody to Jesus. Take off the robe of rejection. Who's ever felt rejected in this room? And who does the enemy still tries to tell you you're rejected some days? Everybody's saying better go up in here. Because that's a serious robe. Well, tonight, and like I said... You will learn a lot more in detail from the book. But tonight, we are going to take off the robe of fear and the robe of unforgiveness. And I know that's not a word. I was an English teacher. But all that means is you're carrying around, literally, you're holding against another person what you should not be holding against them, and you need to forgive them. You need to let them go. Open your Bibles to Psalm 34, 4. Psalm 34, 4. King David wrote this scripture. And how interesting that King David battled fear. The great warrior, the great king of Israel, that literally there's never been another king like him. And a man after God's own heart battled fear at the highest levels. I love this promise. I sought, I inquired of, I'm reading the Amplified, the Lord, and I required of him of necessity and on authority of his word 
and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. How powerful to realize you have a word from God himself that says he will deliver you of all your fears. Fear is real. We're going through a pandemic. You see fear around you all the time. And there's a reason to fear, no doubt, in many ways. But don't let fear robe you. Don't let it affect you. Don't let it consume you where you're moving in so much fear, you're not living the abundant life. All the great leaders in the Bible battled fear. Moses didn't want to be a leader because he stuttered. He knew God had made a mistake, and he became the great lawgiver of the Old Testament. King David battled fear unbelievably, and Joshua the greatest commander and general in the army of Israel, the leader, when he stepped into his time to lead the children of Israel over and over in Joshua 1, and you can open your Bibles to Joshua 1, 9, and the Lord is having a conversation with him. He said, have I not commanded you to be strong and of a good courage? Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And as the people of God, every time we want to fear, every time you want to step into a grocery store and the enemy says, COVID's going to get you, say, God's with me, it can't touch me. Every time the enemy wants to lie about your children that may be in rebellion, that they're not going to come back, you say, oh, I got a covenant by God of Psalm 112, verse 2, that says, my seed shall be great and mighty upon this earth. We, as the people of God, must understand that the only way to combat fear is through the Word of God. But you got to know the Word of God. You got to deposit the Word of God. You got to talk the Word of God. You got to walk the Word of God. You got to become the Word of God in many ways if you're going to get rid of the spirit of fear off of your life. We must stand and understand that God loves us and He's going to take care of us even in the midst of great trial and tribulation. Theologians say that 365 times or even more in the Bible, it says, do not fear or fear not. God understands that fear crept in that Garden of Eden and that fear is on this earth. And you must understand that God did not give you that spirit of fear. You can walk with your head up with your shoulders back and say, I will not fear because God is with me. And Romans 8, 31 said, if God can, is for me, then who can be against me? We cannot fear. Let's look at the definition of fear. According to Hallman Bible Dictionary, it says it's the natural feeling of alarm caused by the expectation of imminent danger, pain, or disaster. When I looked at that scripture, the expectation of danger. Sometimes you get up in the morning, and if you don't get that word coming out of your mouth fast enough, 
the enemy will try to creep in, won't he? And you'll feel like it's, it's almost like something bad's going to happen. You're almost expecting something bad to happen. And you don't even know where that's coming from. I am telling you it's coming from the enemy. And it's coming from your past. It's coming from your past when out of nowhere something bad did happen to you. We act on, even as Christians, we act on things from our childhood. We act on things that we've experienced. And now scientists are saying that when there's been trauma in someone's life, that it actually changes their DNA. Therefore, many times as Christians, we don't need to judge why someone may be more fearful or may full of anxiety. We need to pray for them and we need to help them get the tools that can change what they're experiencing. It's so, it was mind-blowing to me early in my walk with Christ when someone explained to me that we are a three-part being just like God. We're made in His image. We have a spirit, and at conversion, when we are converted to Christianity and we believe Jesus Christ was the Messiah and lived and died for our sins, immediately the Holy Spirit comes in our spirit, and our spirit is perfect. Our spirit doesn't have any fear. Our spirit doesn't have any past. Our spirit is just full of the Holy Spirit. So that's amazing. But we have two other parts. Think back to when you got born again. I was 31 years old and I'd had two children. And when I got born again, I looked down and my body looked exactly the same as when I, before I said that sinner's prayer. I still had cellulite and cottage teeth thighs. I remember thinking, well, something's changed in me, but a lot hasn't either. Amen. <laughs> so when you get born again, you don't lead them up here one way, and that earthly body tent changes. No. And then you have your soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And your soul did not change like that either. The soul of people that's been through severe trauma, that's been through abuse, that's been through rejection, they have what I call a bruised soul. But through the power of the Word of God applied to your soul, you can be healed. But there's the work part. Do you ever see people, and it seems like for years and years and years, and they never get breakthrough? And they're battling the same thing over and over. And they're going around the same mountain over and over again. I believe it's because the enemy keeps them away from taking this word and applying it to their mind. I love Romans 12 too that Pastor mentioned tonight. Open your Bibles there. I'm going to read you the amplified version of Romans 12 too to show you what you have to do to your mind. To change. Romans 12, 2. Amplified version. Do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external, superficial customs. But be transformed 
be changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals, its new attitude. So you may prove for yourselves what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You must have your mind transformed by the word of God. You cannot think the way you used to think. You cannot speak the way you used to speak. But this only comes through purposeful action. Purposeful action. Do we even know how to change our minds? You are learning a different language. Your language is this word. And I've described it this way so many times because the spirit of fear used to control my every move. I was terrified of people. I was terrified to speak in front of people. And little by little by little, I was going into my house and I was not coming out because I was absolutely terrified because the spirit of fear had taken me over at such a high level. And when I got born again, and it's like my eyes started opening to there's a better way. My eyes started opening to I'm promised an abundant life. My eyes started opening that fear is not normal. Look at your neighbor say, fear is not normal. If, I, if someone could be bold and honest, don't we all still have some fears we want to get rid of in this room? What is someone someone would be bold enough to say they want to be delivered of? Go. Fear of failure, yes. The fear of failure will cause you to truly not push at the highest level. It's like the enemy has this invisible fear wrapped around you and you're trying to get past it, but when you start hitting success, you feel yourself falling back. Is that not true? And I believe in the name of Jesus that fear is coming off you tonight. You have confessed it. You have shared it in a room full of believers, and we believe by the end of tonight, when I say that end in prayer, it's gone. How about yes? Fear of punishment, that had to have been a childhood thing, wasn't it? Yes, and that was a childhood thing. Fear of punishment, fear of somebody coming against you for no reason, to be emotionally blindsided, punished, and you don't even know what it is. And God is going to completely heal you tonight, my amazing sister in Christ that I love. These are real fears, and I'm talking saved as can be, great woman of God, great man of God, and we have fear, and God is delivering every one of us. Anybody else with fear? Yes. Fear of not being enough for my children. Rooted in childhood. I know her story well. Rooted in childhood because she was raised by a negligent, abusive mother. 
So she has that fear, and it's being broken tonight. One more. Fear of success. Fear of success is so similar to fear of failure that both of them, when they start trying to, they're stepping into high levels of success, you're pulling back, pulling back, pulling back. It is a spirit, and in the name of Jesus, it is being broken tonight. Fear is real. And when you're operating in a spirit of fear, as people have been so honest tonight, you will literally almost make it happen, won't you, Pastor? Because you're either moving in fear or you're moving in faith. And when you look that fear in the, the eye and you say enough is enough and I will never batter you again, I will never believe anything you ever say again, it has to obey the Word of God. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given you a spirit of fear. He has given you a spirit of power. You know what that word power in the Greek means? It means the power to change. He's given within you the power to change. He's given you the power of love. Let me tell you, love never fails. Love never fails. And he's given you a sound mind. How do I know that scripture so well? Because I have walked my floors when I first got born again, and I still had so much fear. And in the Amplified, it says discipline and self-control, but it says a well-balanced mind. A sound mind is not full of fear. A sound mind is not anxious. A sound mind is not fearful to go up to somebody in a high-level position like First Lady here and talk to her because of fear. Some people won't even talk to her because of fear. She's the sweetest thing on planet earth. Ask pastor. She may be very much in control and a big leader in this church, but she's a woman of God and she cares and looks at you as equal with her because she loves you. But fear tries to stop us. But what God reveals, God heals. What God reveals, God heals. And when you reveal that fear, and when you say, I've got this fear of punishment, I've got this fear of success, I've got this fear of not being good enough for mother, I've got this fear of failure, I've got this fear of singing that anointed voice God has put inside of you. When you admit it, you're pulling it in the open. And you're revealing it. And God is saying, this is what's going on. And he always heals you. He always heals you. John 10, 10. The enemy comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But God came to give you life and to give you abundantly. So much life that it overflows everywhere you go. When you walk in the room, you're so full of the power of the Holy Spirit that everybody says, who's that over there? Sometimes I get my heavenly swagger going on me, and this is no lie. I get tickled. I can feel it hit, and I'm just so excited. And one night, I forget which store I was in, and a man said, are you famous? Yes. I thought, that is so funny. I said, in heaven. I mean, when you get rid of fear, and I think about that, how I used to be terrified to leave my house. Until I met Jesus. And now my husband said, I haven't come back ever since. I'm gone all the time. <laughs> I want us tonight to look very quickly at a great woman of God named Jochebed. 
Jochebed, the mother of Moses. Jochebed, and it is in Exodus 1 and 2 when you go home and you um, do your Bible study. And it talks about how the Pharaoh at this time had placed a, a decree that all the baby boys were going to be killed. And the, he asked the Hebrew midwives to take the babies and kill them if they were boys when the women delivered. But they wouldn't do that because they feared God over a very, very powerful king. And the Bible says distinctly that because they did not obey the king's command, that God gave them families of their own. The Hebrew midwives did not fear God. And then someone named Jochebed, her husband Amram, had a third son. They had Aaron and Miriam, and here they had a baby named Moses. And she had this beautiful baby. And that decree came down that she was supposed to kill him. And the Egyptian military would take these babies and they would throw them in the Nile because it was full of crocodiles and you wouldn't have to worry about floating babies. But Jochebed, the Word of God says, did not fear a wicked king or pharaoh. She feared God and she would not allow her baby to be killed. And the Bible says after three months, she could no longer keep him quiet. And she asked God, what do I need to do? And he said to build an ark, put pitch and tar on it, take the reeds from the very place that was supposed to be assigned to kill her son, make an ark and take that ark and put it in the Nile and let Moses be in there and trust him. How many people in this room tonight have children that you are concerned for their souls. Be a jockey bed and an Amram. Say, no matter what goes on, I will not fear for my child. No matter what it looks like, and what it looks like is devouring my child, I will not give in to that fear because I have a covenant with God Almighty that he is going to keep care of my child. How many of you young people in this room tonight, you have a dream and the enemy's trying to tell you you're never going to step in it? Lift your hands. It is a lie from the enemy. I saw it all over you, great man of God. There's such a high call on your life. And God has heard your every prayer. He knows that you serve him. He knows that you love him. And you shall walk in dreams that God's given you ever since you were a little baby boy. God says you're going to do it. You're going to be known. People are going to look up to you because you're going to give glory to God. You're going to step in it. Don't ever back down. We must be just like Jochebed. We must take arcs full of the Word of God and put our dreams, put our children, put our ministries, Bishop, that will speak in many, 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 many languages, that will be on many foreign soil. Those feet have hit foreign soils, but God said you're just getting a little rest because he's going to send you to many, many, many more. We must, as the people of God, take an ark and place what's, 
we're fearing over. I don't know about you, but sometimes as a parent, the enemy, I'm being very real with you, very transparent, will wake me up in the middle of the night and bam, I've got a fear over one of my children that hits me. Who's ever experienced that? You're sleeping well and all of a sudden, there you are wide awake. And I have said, devil, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus Christ. My son is covered by your blood. My daughter is covered by your blood. You will not have them in the name of Jesus Christ. They are mine and Dave Costal seed. Therefore, they are righteous. They will step in their destiny. And you better leave me alone in the name of Jesus. And Dave's over there hard and fast asleep. I think he's gotten used to all the yelling at night. But I'm telling you, you got to do it. And then if I can't get back to sleep and the enemy's fighting and fighting, I go and I stand in my foyer of my house where a big King James Bible is. It's always open to Psalm 91. Mama Pat's seen it. Always open to Psalm 91. I lean over and I'll say, David Michael Costal II, who dwells in the secret place of the Most High God, shall rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I put his name in or I put her name in and I'm covering them in an ark when it looks like all around is dying. We must put our dreams. We must put our children. We must put our marriages. We must put our ministries. We must put our finances in the ark of God's word. And it will break fear off of you. When you say word and you talk back, I can just imagine Jochebed. When God was saying, I need you to pick this piece of reed and put it in the ark. And she's right there at the Nile and she's taking that reed and she's looking and she sees a crocodile. And she says, I see you. And there's going to be a baby in an ark coming. And you won't touch him because I've got a covenant with God that he's not going to die. Can you imagine when God said it's time? It's time to release him. It's time to face your fear. Thank you, Holy Spirit. It's time to face your fear tonight. It's time in this church, highly anointed, a church I've been through deliverance with and with these amazing pastors here, a church that operates at deliverance and the anointing flows in this place and they honor the word of God at the highest level. This is your time to get free of all fear and walk in that anointing that you always know that you should walk in. And Jochebed took that baby and she released him at the very place that should have killed him. See, what should have killed you is making you no longer let it make you fear anymore. What should have taken you out has tormented you. But God says, I'm turning it tonight, and I'm turning it at the highest levels. And what should have taken you out is going to take you in your destiny because you're going to look fear in the face tonight, and you're going to take that robe off of your body, and you're going to step in the anointing and the destiny. We know the story. Jochebed, a slave. Jochebed, with no social status. Jochebed, without anyone helping her. But she believed God. And she believed she had a covenant by God that he was going to do what he said he was going to do. 
I love that Jochebed had the Abrahamic covenant and God rescued her baby. And I love Galatians 3.29 that distinctly says, if you be Christ, then you are under the Abrahamic covenant. But you under a better one than that as well, the New Testament says. You got a better covenant than Abraham did. And let me tell you, brother Abraham had it going on. Can I get a witness here? So we even have a better covenant. But we got to be honest. That's why I applaud people that hollered that out tonight. That level of honesty gets true breakthrough and true deliverance. And we have to be honest about what we fear and then understand that God is with us. I love Hebrews eleven twenty three. It says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw that he was a proper child. In the New King James, it says they saw he was a beautiful child. In my way of saying it, they saw that boy had a destiny with God and they weren't going to let no devil take him. Can I get a witness here? And it says they were not afraid of the king's command. Fear can paralyze you if you don't deal with it. And command fear to leave your house. Some of y'all need to go old school. You need to get to your house tonight. You need to open your front door. And you need to command every spirit of fear to leave your house tonight. And then you need to go on your front porch. And you need to say, in the name of Jesus, don't come back either. Because I'm free. And I'm free forever. You need to get bold in the name of Jesus. Open the door. Tell the enemy to leave you alone. Shut the door. Plead the blood of Jesus over your house and have a good night's rest like you've never had before. Can I get a witness here? It's time for the people of God to eradicate fear out of our lives. We are not going to leave on the spirit of fear. I want to end the teaching on fear with this verse. It's one of my favorite verses, Hebrews 13.5. I'm going to read it in the Amplified. The second half of this scripture brings so much peace and love. It says, for he, God himself, has said. Who said this? Can you trust God? <laughs> Can you trust God no matter who's the president? Can you trust God no matter what's going on in your life? Can you trust God that he'll handle every pestilence and he'll handle every plague? Can you trust God and obey his word no matter what you're looking at? And you better trust God and pray for your president. Can I get a witness here today? Romans 13 said you better pray for him. Look at your neighbor and say, you better pray for President Biden. That was from God. We got to obey the word of God. I don't know who you voted for, but we got to obey the word of God. It says, for he, God himself, has said... I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Some of y'all are married to some sorry baby daddies, husbands, ex-husbands, men, toxic relationships, and you waiting for them little fellas to give you some support. 
you might be waiting a long time. Megan on the front row, honey. She's been waiting. DSS can't find them. They gone. We don't know what's going on. But she's never missed a meal, and her baby's never missed a bill. Can I get a witness? So I'm telling you that God has given you a promise right here that he will not leave you without support. When God says something three times, he's making a point, and he's making it strong. He said, I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. With a God like that, do we need to fear as the people of God? We do not, Prophetess Hauser, we do not. But tonight, some of the soul realms have been bruised. And I believe at the ending prayer that I will pray corporately over you, there will be a healing of the soul realm. There will be a healing. I know what that feels like. And then you're going to be a word devourer. I was so shocked, Pastor Tom. The first time I went into a prison setting... I started quoting scriptures like I normally quote scriptures in church. I would start a scripture, they would yell it back at me. I would start a scripture, they would yell it back at me. Bishop's been doing it all night. I'm like, I need to just give him the mic. But I'm telling you, it's the truth. When you learn that much word at that much level, you may be locked up behind bars, but the joy is so evident. No matter what's going on, when you've got that much word inside of you and you're learning it and you're focusing on it, it's doing nothing but building your faith. Romans 10, 17 says, hearing by the word of God increases my faith. Not hearing CNN, Fox News, Newsmax, MSNBC, see. Uh-uh. You know what that's going to do? That's going to make you fighting mad. You may kick your wall. I don't know what you might do, but I've told my husband, no more. You can't watch it anymore. I'm tired of yelling and running to the den. You're yelling at a TV. Those people don't matter. He would laugh saying that to me. You have gone and told the people of God I've yelled at a TV. And I've said, and he spends hours in the Word, thank God. But I'm telling you, you need to be careful what you hear. Because it's either going to make you grow in your faith or it's going to make you get disturbed. God desires to heal you, but it's time for you to reprogram your brain. Look at your neighbor say, reprogram yourself. <sighs> reprogram yourself. Reprogram yourself. Speak word. You see somebody say, this is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. Psalm 118, verse 24. Somebody says, how you do it? Say, I'm blessed among women. Somebody says, <laughs> Pastor Tom, he said, blessed among men. Speak word. Eradicate fear in your life. Second robe we're taking off tonight is we're taking off the robe of unforgiveness. I want to reiterate this at the highest level to you as a teacher of the Word of God tonight. Unforgiveness is extremely dangerous in your life. I'm going to say it again. 
Unforgiveness is extremely dangerous in your life. You will not prosper because unforgiveness brings bitterness, and bitterness makes us, as the people of God, lose our joy. And when we lose our joy, we lose our strength. I'm going to teach you this in two ways. First and foremost, the Word of God. And in the Bible study, lots of scriptures against not forgiving people. 2 Corinthians 2.11. Turn there. I want you to read this. 2 Corinthians 2.11. And there's lots more scriptures. 2 Corinthians 2.11. This is a huge wake-up call. It says, and we'll start at verse 10. It says, Now, whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if indeed I have forgiven anything, I have forgiven that one for your sakes in the presence of Christ. The Corinthians church was having a hard time forgiving someone. It was actually an incestuous situation, and it was wrong. And Paul said, it's time for you to forgive. And he says, this is why, the 11th verse here. Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. If we have unforgiveness in our hearts, the enemy is sitting on the sidelines waiting for an opportunity to attack you. And you gave him the crack. It is not an option to not forgive. It's not an option. Is it easy? Every head should go just like this. It is not easy. It is not easy to forgive. But it's not an option. I love how we all know the Lord's Prayer. But right in the middle of the Lord's Prayer, you can turn there in Matthew 6, 12. Matthew 6, 12. It says, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Let me paraphrase it. Forgive us how we forgive others. So if we have not forgiven somebody, then we're telling God, I know that you're not going to forgive me. And that's a scary place to be, isn't it? That we say to God, we're not going to forgive someone. Mark eleven twenty five. 25, you can just write that verse down. And it says, and whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may forgive you. These are sombering, wake up, and it's time to forgive. Here's the truth. Most of the time, the people you need to forgive the most, you live in the same house with. <laughs> you know the scripture that says, do not let the wrath, the sun go down on your wrath. The other night, I don't know what it was, and I'm sure Davis had to have me forgive me plenty of times as well. But I was so aggravated at him. And he fell asleep. And I'm thinking, how in the world are you sleeping over there? 
And the Holy Spirit said, you better forgive him. You better not fall asleep. And so I said, Dave, wake up, wake up. He said, what? I said, I forgive you and I love you. I can't let the sun go down on me tonight and sleep with unforgiveness in you. He said, well, baby, I'm proud of you. <laughs> he said, I'm sorry. I didn't know that upset you so much. Isn't that how it is? Most people don't set out to just go destroy you. Some people do. But we still have to forgive them. It's not an option to forgive. It's not an option to forgive. Our not forgiving is holding us back from a very destiny God has planned for us. And let me say this, parents, because I've had to do it. Just raise a couple of teenagers. You'll get good at forgiving. Can I get a witness here tonight? Forgive your children and ask forgiveness of them on areas we need to ask forgiveness of too. Amen? Forgive people. Then we have the harder sections. When we have to forgive people that have wronged us. We have to forgive people that's destroyed our children by their actions. We have to forgive people that have destroyed us. I'll never forget the night. And little did I know, it was my very destiny in ministry. But I was going to go and give my testimony at a women's prison. And I was going with Brenda Matthews, who I love and is in enjoy in heaven. Enjoy in heaven. And I remember I was just, Dave had the children. They were younger then in elementary school. And I'd been walking with the Lord for a while. And I'm just walking back and forth out on the back of our property. And I'm like, Lord, I'm so excited to do this. And I can't wait to do this. And I'm just talking to him. And he said, it's time to completely forgive Chuck. And I thought, I've done that. I've already done that. And you know you haven't done that when you immediately tell God you've done that and you can feel yourself backing up real fast like, we need to talk about something else right now. <laughs> and he said, it's time. And I remember, I just started saying so much pain. Started pouring out of me. By that time, I had fallen on the ground and I was weeping. And I said the most honest thing I'd ever said about the man that molested me all my childhood, raped me at age nine and thrown me in a lake for dead. And I remember I said to God, as sincere as I could say, I can't do it without you. You've got to anoint me to forgive him. I can't do it. And when I said that, I could sense the Holy Spirit saying, you obey me, and I will handle the rest for you. And I remember I said, I forgive Chuck, and I started naming the stuff that had been done to me as a little girl that had messed my mind up so badly. And then all of a sudden, when I got quiet, Pastor Tom, and I stopped, I literally felt something heavy leave my body. And I remember I jumped up off that ground, 
And I started speaking with a boldness that I'd never felt before in my life. Some of you are wanting to get bold. Well, I'm asking you to forgive somebody. I'm asking you to let it go. And I remember I was walking back and forth, and I said, Devil, you may have took my childhood. You may have had me be raped. You may have made me live in rebellion and do filthy things on this earth. You may have wanted me to take my life at age 31. But I decree and declare to you, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to share my testimony tonight. I'm going to tell every woman in that prison that they can be free from abuse. I am going to obey God and you better watch out because I am a different woman tonight. And it all came through forgiveness. Forgiveness. But I couldn't do it without him. I could not do it. And we need to be real. And we need to say help me do it. You don't think our Heavenly Father says, she said it, angels get down there, we're on right now. Think about it. He loves us. We are His children. And He will heal us. He will deliver us. And He takes great pride in doing that for us. The Word of God commands us to Look at your neighbor and say, oh, forgiveness is not an option. <laughs> forgiveness is not an option. It's not an option. Yes. Prayer ministry here is amazing. And to see the demonic powers away from the people of God because they chose to forgive. Some of you here tonight need to forgive your father. You need to forgive your mother. You need to forgive your abuser. You need to forgive those that have harmed your children. God will take you all the way to the abundant life when you forgive him. The word of God is over and over and over and over. We must forgive. But the hardest person to forgive is yourself. Yourself. Some of you need to forgive yourself. You missed it. You're human. You missed it. You should have done things differently. I used to be very legalistic as a parent. Rebecca's probably like, amen, amen. And I didn't know, but that was damaging to my children and made them have a fear of God in an unhealthy way. And when I got a revelation of that, I called them as teenagers, late teen years. They could have been in college. And I said, your daddy and I wish to apologize. And they're looking at each other like, what? And I said, we were rough on you because we did not understand the love of God. And please forgive us for being legalistic at times. But I had the hardest time forgiving me. It was a lot easier to say that to them. Think about yourself when you've missed it. Before Christ, I could be a terrifying mother because I had so much rage inside of me. And I scared my son so bad sometimes. And I had the hardest time forgiving me who can relate? Not saying what you've done to your children, but just to forgive yourself sometimes of mess-ups. 
Look around the room. That this is the lie the enemy will tell you. You should have known better. Whenever you hear should, that's the enemy. Because you know what? Should breeds anxiety. Can you change it? No. But can you forgive yourself and move on into your destiny God has given you? Yes. King David. I'm mentioning him again because we love King David. But King David had a horrific childhood. Psalm 27.10, he said, Even when my mother and my father forsake me, the Lord God will adopt me. Theologians say that King David was hated by his family. We know he was. When the prophet showed up for the next king of Israel, his father brought, Jesse brought every son in the house and left David in the sheep field. He wasn't even worthy to come up and there was the next king of Israel. Spirit of rejection right there. And King David even though he was wonderful, he messed up sometimes. 2 Samuel 11 says David was sitting around the palace when he was supposed to be at war with his army, and he happens to go to the top of the palace, which I believe he knew was at, was at the next palace. Can I get a witness? And he looked over and he saw this beautiful woman bathing. And he said, who is she? And bring her to me. He was the king. Did that, adultery. Then he finds out that she was Uriah's wife. Here's the funny thing about it. Uriah and David were very close friends. He was a commander in David's army. They knew each other well. David committed adultery, took one of his best friend's wife while his best friend was at the war. And then when she got pregnant, he sent for Uriah. I need you to see this whole little story here. He sent for Uriah, brought him in, and said, go home to your wife. And Uriah said, how can I go sleep in my bed when the army of Israel is out in the fields and as is the Ark of the Covenant? And he said, I'm not doing that. He slept on the doorstep, wouldn't even go in his house. So David said, let me get him drunk, and then he will go home. He still wouldn't go home. He still wouldn't sleep with his wife. And there was the king sleeping with her for him. Then he was very tricky and very good looking. <laughs> and then when he couldn't fix it through his lust, through his power, he sent to Joab his commander and he said, put Uriah in the front of the battle. He was saying, I need him killed. That was David, a man after God's own heart. And sometimes I wonder if that's why David missed it as a father many times. Because he had the regrets of the mess-ups he had done. But yet he had to have forgiven himself or he could not have ruled as king anymore. If he didn't understand forgiving himself, he would have stepped down from God's assignment. And some of you in this room tonight, you must forgive yourself because God has already forgiven you. And he's waiting with an open hand saying, I got a lot of work for you to do. And you cannot have unforgiveness even to yourself. So tonight is the night where you forgive yourself. Look at your neighbor say, forgive yourself. King David forgave himself.
God forgave him. And Bathsheba, even though they lost that baby, Bathsheba and David, and this story just shows the grace of God in the Old Testament, had King Solomon. And Solomon ruled the kingdom one day. God's grace is able. But David didn't go out here and commit adultery anymore that we know of. He truly repented and he forgave himself. And think about it. When Bathsheba had the knock on the door and her husband was dead, believe me, she had to forgive him too because she knew he had done nothing wrong and had been killed in battle. So all through that story is forgiveness. We must forgive ourselves no matter what. We must forgive ourselves. I want to read you this study I found today. I, I love to research, and I just want you to listen to this. That that was word that we have to forgive ourselves, we have to forgive others. And is it an option for you to have unforgiveness? No. It's not. If Jesus said it, we've got to do it, no matter what. Before you put your head down tonight, if you don't do it in this service, I want you to sit alone with the Lord, and I want you to say, who do I need to forgive? And you've got to forgive them. There's no excuse. God doesn't give us any excuse not to forgive. None. If you want to live, you better forgive. If you want to live, you better forgive. That robe of unforgiveness is very bulky. It's very heavy. And other people can see it on you. So it's time to take that robe off. John Hopkins, a very respected hospital, did a study, a recent study, and it says, forgiveness, your health depends on it. They don't bring the Bible into it. They don't even know they're saying Bible. Can I get a witness? They think they're so smart. We already know this, but I want to share with you what doctors were saying. Amen. It says, studies have found that the act of forgiveness can reap huge benefits for your health. They see that in prayer ministry all the time. All the time. It will lower your risk of heart attack. I don't want to have a heart attack. How about y'all? Mm -mm. Forgive. It will lower your blood pressure, improve your cholesterol levels, and your sleep. And it will reduce inflammation and pain in your body. It will lower the levels of anxiety, depression, and stress. And research points to an increase in the forgiveness health connection. They're, they're seeing all of this. Dr. Karen Schwartz says there is an enormous physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. A physical burden to being hurt and disappointed. Forgiveness needs to be a way of life for a Christian that when we get hurt, I'm not telling you to ignore the pain. Never would do that. But take that pain 
Talk about it with Jesus. Tell him how much it hurts and say, your word says to give every burden and every care I have in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says to give, or is it 6? It said to give this to you. So I'm giving you my pain. I'm giving you my disappointment. I'm giving you my betrayals. I'm giving you my abuse. I'm giving you people that have treated me so wrong. I'm giving you my rejection. I'm giving you everything, and I thank you that I'm giving it to you, and I'm walking away. It may take you two hours to do that. It may take you two minutes to do that, but the more you do that, the more health you will feel, the more love you will feel, the more joy you will feel, and everybody around you will feel it too. Can I get a witness here? Forgive. 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 I read a story yesterday. I was drawn to it, and I didn't even know why, and here it ties straight into this teaching tonight. This woman had left her husband. They had divorced because he was a serious drug user, and his drug use was putting her children in harm's way. So she left him, and then she said, I always, whenever he would show up to get the kids, I always made sure he was sober. And she said, it was time for him to come, and he was an hour late, and she had a 12-year-old daughter, and the 12-year-old daughter said, I want to go stay with a friend. And she said, but your dad's supposed to come and get you for the weekend. Well, he didn't show up for an hour, so she let her stay with her friends for the weekend. Then her 5-year-old and her 2-year-old were still there, she went out to the car. He seemed totally sober, totally sober, was speaking to her. And then she locked her two-year-old in his car seat and her five-year-old in the booster seat. And she kissed them and said, I'll see you Sunday. And then she went to a church function. No, it was a high school reunion. And she came back to her phone, and it was four missed calls. One from an ambulance and four from a hospital. She called the number back. He was not sober. He had Xanax, Demerol, and Methadone in his body. And in his car, he crossed the line and ran head-on into a tractor-trailer. And her two-year-old was in the morgue. And her five-year-old was in surgery. She said it was the hardest thing she had ever dealt with. She blamed herself. And then she started hating him because he took the life of her child. And then the Holy Spirit said, you got to forgive. You got to forgive. And she forgave him. God sent her a godly man. They are in ministry. And she said she and her new husband would actually minister to her ex-husband. And he died at 48 through drug use. But she said she'll never forget when she let it go. And she obeyed God. It changed her life. Forgiveness has to be a part of our life. Forgiveness is not an option. Forgiveness is God's best for you. 
It's God's best for you. I'm almost closing. Tonight, I want you to remember that in many ways, taking off this robe of unforgiveness and placing the robe of forgiveness on you is dying to yourself and taking up a daily cross. That when you get up, you say, most likely I'm going to have to forgive today. And Lord, I'm going to do it. As the people of God, we must die to ourselves. Tonight, as the family of Christ, we must receive the love and the acceptance of Jesus Christ in a deeper way by simply obeying his word. It's time to get rid of this heavy burden and this very ugly robe of unforgiveness. I felt so strongly that the Lord spoke this to me today for you. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Do not block my justice against others because of your rebellion against my word and my absolute best for you. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Because as you learn tonight, your very life and destiny depends on forgiveness. You are my child, and I love you, and I am proud of you. Let me fight your battles as you forgive those that have caused you harm. Thus saith the Lord. Bow your head. With no one looking around tonight, if you want to start and absolutely believe that tonight you are taking off the robe of fear, just stand up. No one looking around. This is between you and God that you want to get rid of some fear tonight. Amen. No one looking around. Repeat after me. Say, tonight is a step I make by faith. I remove this robe of fear right now. I command the enemy to leave me alone. And I obey God. And I no longer receive this spirit of fear. I am a child of God. I am covered by the blood of Christ. And I speak to this spirit of fear and command you to leave me alone. I am a warrior. And my daddy is a king. He walks with me everywhere. And I live under the shadow of his wing. Right now, I take off the spirit of fear in the form of an invisible robe. I throw it off, and I will never put it back on. 
it does not belong to me. I am free. The robe of fear is off of me. In the name of Jesus. And it is so. Amen. 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 Come on, let's clap and give God some praise. Amen. I'm telling you, angels, we're taking those robes out of here. You are free. Look at your neighbor. Say, you're free. You're free. Tell three people. Stand up and tell three people, I am free. Come on, three people. Praise God. Woo, come on now. We're moving by faith. Praise God. Look at our brother in the back there. Hallelujah. You're free. Free of failure in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Free of the fear of punishment. You're one of daddy's favorites, Joanna. Praise God. Free of the fear of success. Who else got free of some stuff? Just scream it out. Yeah. <laughs> I love Prophetess Katie. Hallelujah. Now... I don't want anybody standing. We got four minutes and class is over. But I will always do what Pastor Tom says. If he comes up here and says, you pray for people, I'll pray half the night, won't I? But I don't need to. I have the anointing's here. The anointing's here. I learned that in, in ministering to women in prison. You can't lay hands on them, and they get free at levels that's unbelievable. But they devour these books. One inmate walked up to me, and she held off taking off the road. The pages were falling out, and she said, I've done it 14 times. I'm a new woman. Now, that's dedication. But now we are taking off the robe of unforgiveness. Everybody bow your head. Everybody. Because there has to be somebody you can forgive, even if it's you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm. This is a sacred time. This is a sacred time. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for just going right now up and down every aisle every chair it's like i see angels with hands their hands on your back they're anointing you to do it they're anointing you to do it i want you to take this time and i want you to whisper a prayer of who you need to forgive nobody's listening to your prayer nobody's listening to your prayer mm. There is such a move of God. There's parents being forgiven. There's children being forgiven. There's people that's harmed our children that we're forgiven. There's people in church that's betrayed us and hurt us. They didn't mean to. Some did, some didn't, but we need to forgive them. There's ex-wives, ex-husbands. There's so much forgiveness going on. There's siblings, there's friends. It's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. It's time to take that robe off. It's time to get rid of it. Just you talking with Jesus. You talking with Jesus. 
forgiveness. Forgive them. God loves you. Your forgiveness of them is not endorsing what they've done. God will deal with them. Your forgiveness of them is, does it mean you keep having to let somebody abuse you? God did not call us into abuse. You're never to put your children in harm or being abused. You're forgiving for you and in obedience to God. And I can promise you, if they don't repent, God is going to deal with them. Vengeance is mine. When you feel like you've forgiven them and you're throwing that robe off tonight for the first time and you feel like you've reached a point that you know that you've given either either a good tug or you've thrown it off, it doesn't matter. It's between you and God. Just stand to your feet. All over here, stand. Amen. Thank you. Start standing. Start standing. Amen. Amen. Forgiveness is this every day. There's always, amen, amen. Thank you, God. Mm, mm, mm.